Fantastic. Well, it's uh, it's great to be together. I always find it strange when I don't open the service because this is the first chance I get to stand up and look out and see who's here. And uh, so it's great to see you guys and it's great to be uh, together. And one of the things that I love when I get to stand up here and look out and, and see you all is just how different we all are. Um, you know, we, we come together from all sorts of different backgrounds, different ages, uh, for, with different uh, kind of uh, cultural kind of stuff. You know, some of us have, you have been Christians for longer than I've been alive. Um, some of you have, uh, have been, you know, only recently become Christians. Some of you are here and you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian and you're still kind of exploring that whole thing. And so we're, we're such a, a variety and kind of difference in terms of the group of, of people as we gather. And I love that. I think it's fantastic. I think it's exciting that we put aside all of our differences, all of our preferences, so that we can gather around Jesus. So we can gather around who he is, what he's done, what he's wanting to say to us, how he's wanting to work in our lives, how we can serve him and cooperate with him and learn from him. I think that's amazing, isn't it? And a key part of how we've been learning from Jesus and how he's been working and speaking to us recently is as we've been going through um, the, the letter that Paul writes to the Ephesians. And, um, and that's how a key part of how God has been teaching us recently. And, and I don't know about you, but as I've been getting stuck into Ephesians personally, as I've been studying it, as I've been preparing for messages, as I've been kind of just wrestling over different things, I have found so much life in the letter to Ephesians. I've found that God has been at work helping to, to shape and to transform my perspective and my attitudes, sharpening my prayer life. There have been things that I've taken out of this, this time looking at Ephesians, which I think will stay with me for the rest of my life. New things that God has been wanting to, to open my heart to and to, to teach me and to grow me in. And I'm trusting that, that as you engage with, a, with what God is wanting to speak to us, that that's the same for you. Not only as we gather together and look at kind of big picture stuff on a Sunday morning, but I want to encourage you that I really believe this is a, a now thing that God has for us as a people. And so I want to encourage you in your own personal times through the week, get stuck into Ephesians. Be reading it. Be meditating on it. Be asking God what it is that he's wanting to, to speak to you through it, trusting that he has a new depth of truth that he's wanting to open your eyes to and open your hearts to in this season. And, and, and I help you in this in a, in a little way. Um, John Little has put together these great sheets which give us a bit of a summary um, of some of what Paul talks to us about, about what God has done for us and who we are in Christ that we find in the letter to Ephesians. And if you haven't got one of these, then grab one. They're on the welcome table at the back. Grab one, take one with you. Use it as a tool to help you to get stuck into what it is that God is wanting to, to speak to you in this time. And just be expectant. As you do that, be expectant, come with faith, that as you look at what it is that he says, that he will breathe life into it, because his word is living and active, um, and he has new things for you every day. This morning then, as we get started, um, I'm to set the scene, I'm actually going to ask Rosie to come on up, and uh, Rosie doesn't get up here very often, so um, so I want to give, you a, give Rosie a big welcome, and she's going to come up, I'm going to ask her just to, to share a picture. Um, I'm going to ask you just to share a picture um, that she feels God gave her um, about us as a church. Because I think this picture really captures something of what Paul is wanting to, to say to us through Ephesians today. So over to you. You can stand wherever you like. <laughs> 
Um, it says in 1 Peter that we're living stones being built together um, into a spiritual temple. And I've always pictured this beautiful, magnificent temple and the stones being perfectly cut with mortar in between. And that used to intimidate me quite a lot. I'd feel that I wasn't worthy to be that brick. Um, and I'd just feel like I had to earn that place to be part of God's temple. Um, and I would put myself on lots of rotors and you know do everything I could to kind of be enough. I just felt like I wasn't enough. Um, but then God showed me that isn't how he sees the wall. That's not the wall that he's building from us. He showed me a Cornish wall. So I'm sure you all know what they're like. Um, but a Cornish wall has got lots of bricks, lots of stones found in the area that are different. There are different shapes, they're different sizes, and they don't all fit together perfectly, but that's okay because um, they're packed together with soil in between them, and that's what makes them fit. Um, and then as the wall matures, plants grow in the soil that's between them. And in the end, you can't even see the stones. You just see this beautiful, living, um, vibrant wall. And I felt God say with those stones that we don't need to be the same. Like, we're enough just as we are. I'm enough. You're enough. We're enough. And he's putting us together in this wall um, to kind of rub up against each other. But he... That soil is the love and the grace that we need to show for each other. Um, when we're different, it needs a bit more love and grace. When the, the stones don't quite fit, it needs even more love and grace to fill the gap. And that's how we fit together beautifully and perfectly. And um, the plants grow. You know, his kingdom comes in the soil. It's not in us. It's not about shiny bricks. It's about the gaps in between and him coming in that place of love and grace and the relationships that we form. Fantastic. Thanks, Rosie. That's brilliant. And, you know, I love this picture of the church because, you know, as Rosie says, so often I feel like we can uh, either end up feeling like we need to be something more or we can end up feeling, uh, not that personally, but maybe like collectively, we need to be something more. We need to achieve something more. But actually, we are all stones of different shapes and sizes who have been united together in Jesus and are given a shared purpose. Each one of us is unique. Each one of us has has been given different gifts and different abilities. Each one of us looks different, have different personalities. And God has united us together. He's the one who unites us, but then he gives us a responsibility. He gives us the responsibility to maintain that unity through the love and the grace that we show to one another. And and I love the the way in the picture that it's in this love and grace that that is the good soil. It's the good soil in which the life grows. It's the good soil in which we see something of the kingdom of God. It's the good soil which allows there to be fruit. And so it isn't about us being perfect. It's not about us all being the same shape and size. It's not about, you know, as uh, us needing to try and achieve something either on our own or collectively together. It's about the love and the grace for one another that creates this open opportunity for God to bring life and fruit and that makes us beautiful. And I think essentially this is what Paul's getting at at the start of Ephesians chapter 4 where he talks about how, how 
We're to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received, to to bear with one another, to put up with one another in love, to have grace for one another, to be people of humility and gentleness and patience, to maintain the bond of unity. And then he goes on and he encourages us that God has made us all different. Different shapes and sizes. He has made us all unique and he's done it on purpose. And this is what he writes in chapter 4, verse 7. It says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And Paul here, he's quoting Psalm 68, verse 18. Uh, and he's saying Jesus is like the great warrior that is pictured in this psalm. The great warrior who has won a great victory in battle. And he's gathered up plunder and treasure from his enemies. And now he's going back to the city of Jerusalem. And he's giving out gifts to all of his people out of the place of victory that he has. And he's saying that's what Jesus is like in this moment. He's won the victory and now he is giving out gifts to all of his people from that place of victory. And he's giving out those gifts just as he chooses them. He gives particular things to particular people on purpose. You know, Paul wants us to understand that we are united together with a shared sense of identity and a shared purpose, but that each one of us has different gifts and different abilities. And that those roles that have been given to us are given to us by Jesus on purpose. It's not an accident. And, and Paul goes on to try and unpack this by using the illustration of the body and how all, all these different body parts are united together with, with one kind of purpose. But I think we also capture something um, of what Paul's trying to get across to us in maybe a bit of a, a fresh way that helps us to think about it and helps it to click in a different way when we think about something like team sports. And um, I don't know how many of you are into different types of sport, but one sport that doesn't come to mind for me when I think team sports, but actually illustrates this perfectly, is Formula One racing. Um, Any of you like Formula One racing? A few of you? Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so you'll know that with Formula One racing, you know, it tends to be the driver who gets the headlines. And everybody thinks about the drivers. But actually, if that driver is going to be successful, he is fully reliant on the team around him. He is fully reliant on that team. And if even one person in that team fails to do their job properly, then he's going to have no chance at fulfilling his purpose of winning the race. You see, God's grace not only reaches out to us, in order that we might be forgiven and saved and have life in him. His grace not only reaches out to us in order that we might be blessed and be set free and experience breakthrough in our lives, but his grace reaches out to us in order to give us gifts so that we can fulfill our part and our responsibility in the team. You know, so often I think we... What we need to understand is that when we become part of the family of God, when we become children of God, we move from being guests in God's house to being family. And, uh, you know, if guests come to my house, then I'll host you. If a guest comes to my house, then we'll make the tea and coffee and we'll do the cooking and we won't ask you to do the washing up. We'll let you sit because we want to host you because you're a guest. But when family comes to stay, it's different, isn't it? 
You know, when family comes to stay, if they just sit there and they don't do anything, something in you does not appreciate that. You know, when family comes to stay, there is an expectation that they are going to play their part. That they have a job that they are going to do. And it's as every member of the family plays their part, whether they do that well or whether they do that badly, that it begins to shape and form the family DNA. That it begins to shape what the family is able to do or not do. It is determined by each member of the family playing their part. And when you follow Jesus, when you become a child of God, when you receive all that God has for you, you move from being a guest in God's house to being a part of his family. And Jesus says, now that you're my family, live like it. Here are gifts and abilities that I want to give you. Now play your part. You have a job to do in the family. Because who we are as a church, the DNA that we have as a church, what we are able to do is determined by the way that every person plays their part. And if even one person opts out and says, no, I think I'm just going to be a guest, then the whole family, the whole team is impacted. Paul wants us to understand that we don't go to church, that we are the church. That we are the church and each one of us has a job to do and a role to play. And so he goes on like this in verse 11. He says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, the amazing thing is that in Jesus, not only do we discover who we are in Christ and we get that new identity as children of God, not only do we discover a sense of belonging and the fact that we're accepted and we're a part of his family, but actually in Jesus, we discover our purpose. We discover what we are living for. We have a reason for being. And and this isn't just about filling rotors or getting jobs done. This is about the part that we play in building up the church and putting Jesus on display. In helping one another to mature and to grow into becoming like Jesus and reaching out with who Jesus is to the people around us. To put Jesus on display in the midst of a broken world. 
And it doesn't matter what your level of education is in that. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian for. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter whether you think you've got anything to offer or not. God has a big purpose for you. And he has given you gifts and abilities. Not based on who you are, but based on his victory to enable you to play your part. And part of our purpose that Paul makes clear in these verses is that we are gifted in order that we might build up the church. Build up the body of Christ until we say we reach unity in the faith and we become mature followers of Jesus. So that we can put him fully on display. Every supporting ligament, every single part, every little tiny bit that you can't see and that you just forget about in your body that you think is insignificant, every little part playing its part, fulfilling its role. That we have a shared responsibility for the life of the church and the building up of one another. You know, when you think about who we are and what we do as a church, I don't know what you what you think of, whether you think of this is something that they do or something that we do or or how you think about it. But when you think about the lives that have been impacted, when you think about the people who've come to know Jesus, when you think about those who've grown in their faith, when you think about the way in which we've been able to serve the community, the people who've been fed and cared for and had needs met through the food bank. When you think about Anything that we do or we are as a church, all of that is only possible because of each one of you playing your part. Playing your part in meeting practical needs. Playing your part in prayer. Playing your part in in sharing your faith about Jesus with people. In your workplace, with your family, with your friends, out on the streets. Playing your part in encouraging one another in conversation and just speaking truth to one another. Every single part of the family is essential. We are who we are as a church because you are who you are as the church. We are who we are as a church because you are who you are as the church. That should be an encouragement to you because you can look at everything and you can celebrate everything that goes on in the life of this church and know that you play your part in that, in whatever way that it looks, in whatever way that might be. That when we see lives transformed, when people come up here and share stories of, of healing and the way that God's been at work, when people are baptized because they've grown in their faith and they've come to that place of making that commitment, you should celebrate and say, I was part of that. I played my part in the body. I fulfilled my role in building up the church. Something for us to to celebrate. Something for us to be encouraged by, to know we've got purpose in. And when you think about all the things that you'd love to see, when you think about all the things that you'd love to see the church doing and, and being, when you think about the promises that God has spoken and the things that are yet to come that we long to see happen, all the different things that we're still looking for, 
Ask God what his part is for you to play in seeing that come to pass. And Paul highlights five specific types of gifts that Jesus gives to his people so that we can accomplish this purpose of growing up and being united and mature and putting Jesus on display. He talks about apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. And sometimes I think this list of gifts that that kind of Paul throws in in the midst of, of this section throws people off and we end up missing the point of what Paul is really trying to say. Because while Paul talks about specific uh, kind of uh, jobs and offices that people have and that people are appointed to in different places, I don't think that's what he's doing here. His whole focus in this kind of part of things is talking about the gifts that Jesus has given to every single person as he's kind of come from that place of victory to give gifts to every person. He says that Christ has given gifts to every person as he's apportioned them. And he lists other gifts in different places. This list isn't exhaustive. You know, we get gifts in other places, things like hospitality and administration, things like healing. Things like just being an encourager. And he says every single person has been given gifts. And his key point is this, it's for every person has been given a gift, but it's for a single purpose. For the building up of the body of Christ to unity of the faith, to maturity in Jesus so that we would put Jesus on display. And the point that Paul is emphasizing here is simply that, that you have been given a gift. You have been given a purpose and you have a role to play. And, you know, Sometimes we get caught up then in this need because Paul lays out these different things and we we get caught up and we lose sight of the purpose and we end up focusing on the gift. And we spend all of our time talking about, well, what's my gift? How do I find out what my gift is? What God gifted me for? Am I this or am am I that? And I think it's great to ask God what gifts he's given you. And I think it's great to ask God for more gifts and for new gifts because he wants to give good gifts generously to his children. I think it's great to talk to other people and to to ask them, what are the gifts that you see in me? Where can I best fit and, and play my part and role? But the best thing that I think we can all do is shift our focus from ourselves and to our purpose. Because the purpose is something that God makes clear. The purpose of building up his church and putting Jesus on display in our workplaces and in our families, with our friends on our streets. And as we step out and simply say, I'm going to play my part in fulfilling that purpose. I'm going to serve my role in the body. Then we will discover very quickly what our gifts are. We will discover the gifts which are lacking within the body and are needed. And so we'll start asking God for the right gifts that are needed. And we'll then start growing and developing those gifts because we're having to use them. Discovering our our gifts doesn't come from kind of this navel-gazing focus on ourselves. It comes as we get hold of the purpose that God has called us to and simply say, yes, I'm in. I'm going to play my part. And exactly what that looks like for each one of us is different. 
You know, you might look at other people and, uh, and what they're doing and think, I could never do that. That just terrifies me. Or I just feel like if I tried to do that, I'd make a mess. And you can end up from all of that feeling like a bit of a failure because you look at other people and you just think, I can't, that's not me. You know, whether that's looking at, uh, at Kieran and Heidi and the way they get out on the street sharing their faith and doing evangelism, whether that's uh, looking at, uh, uh, I don't know, Nick and the way that he, he sacrificially serves in just practical, administrative ways, whether that's looking at, um, at Beth and the way that she was leading worship this morning and the, and the way that she sings and just gets up on the stage in front of people, whether that's uh, looking at, at Lorna and Kathy and the way that they pray and, and intercede, you know, whether that's looking at... Um, Shola and um, Adibola and the way that they get down and invest in the children and spend time with them. You know, you could look at all sorts of different people, so many different people, and look at what it is they do and the way they're playing their part and say, I could never do that. That just terrifies me. And you know, that's okay. Because if that's your response, then that's probably not the gift that God's given you. And it's probably not the part in the body that he has for you to play. You are here in this family because God has joined you to this family in order for you to play your part, not somebody else's. You see, every single one of us is different. As Rosie shared earlier, we're stones of different shapes and sizes. We've been different, given different gifts and abilities, and Jesus does that on purpose. And he doesn't make mistakes. You have your own unique role to play in the church that no one else can do. You are needed. And it is when the whole body comes together and says, yes, I'm going to play my part. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do what I can do that we then see the body be grow and be built up and come to unity and maturity and put Jesus on display in the greatest possible way. You see, when God gave light and life the purpose to see his love transform lives as we follow him, do you know he had you in mind? He had you in mind. And how the gifts that he has given you would be essential to the life of this church and the fulfilling of that purpose. You see, what God has called us to do as a church, he has equipped us to do as a church by bringing you here. By making you a part of the family. You are not here by accident. You know, for those of you who would count this as a church, you are not a guest. You are family. And you have a role to play. As we finish, I want to encourage you as you play your part in the body. Whatever that might look like for you and however different it is, you know, whether that's practically serving, whether it's serving in, in prayer or serving as an encourager. You know, we all have those different roles to play. But as you play your part, I want to encourage you with some of the rewards that I believe that God has for you. 
as you serve and as you step out, as you play your part in those different ways. And maybe if there's some of you here who have kind of been slipped into that guest mentality, this will encourage you to say, I want to make that decision to, to say, I'm going to play my part. So really quickly as we finish, here are six rewards that God has for those who serve. Number one, in serving, you belong. If you want a sense of belonging, then get stuck in. That's when you get the opportunity to build relationships with others and to grow in your sense of being part of something bigger than just who you are. Number two, and I think this is key, in serving, you break the bondage of selfishness. You know, giving your life to something bigger than yourself, serving others, doing things that even you don't necessarily think are your cup of tea, but you just see the need, so you're going to do them, is so countercultural that it is powerful. And it starts to break the bondage of selfishness in our lives. It shifts our focus away from what we want and what meets our needs and our preferences to how we can play our part in something bigger than ourselves. You know, when we are self-focused, it kills compassion and empathy and love and grace. Everything that we see that, that enables God to bring that life and that beauty. When we are self-focused, it makes our problems and our frustrations loom large. And it makes us blame everyone else for them. And as we serve, it breaks the bondage of selfishness. And makes our problems seem small. And it frees us to love and give us ourselves to God's big purpose. Number three, in serving, you discover your purpose. And we've already talked about this a bit, so I won't need to, to talk about it much. But as I say, you're not going to discover what you're made for by some lightning bolt revelation most of the time. You discover the way that God has made you, the purpose that he's given you, the gifts that you have as you just get stuck in and serve. And it's as you do that, you'll find fulfillment in life. Number four, in serving, you grow. It's as we serve that we grow in our own maturity and we deepen in our own experience of Jesus. And it's as we serve that we get to play our part in seeing others grow as well. And that brings me on to number five. In serving, you help to transform lives. As you serve, you get to play a part in everyday miracles. You get to see firsthand how God is at work to transform lives, to set people free, to bring healing. You know, in, um, in John 2, uh, John writes about the, the first of Jesus' miracles when he turns water into wine. And there's uh, just a little throwaway verse in there which I think helps us to get perspective when it comes to, to serving. John writes that the host of the party knew nothing about what was going on. But the servants, the servants knew. 
Why did the servants know? Because they were serving, they saw firsthand Jesus at work. And I think there's a principle here. If you want to see lives transformed, if you want to see Jesus at work, if you want to see miracles, then get serving. Because it's as you serve that you have the opportunity to come alongside people, to draw close to people, and to see Jesus at work in their lives in amazing ways. Number six, and I think this is the biggest and the most important. In serving, you gain an eternal reward. This trumps everything else that I've mentioned. You know, there will come a moment for every single one of us when we will see Jesus face to face. And on that day, my heart's desire is that Jesus would look at me and smile. And he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, our greatest motivation for pouring out our lives for a purpose bigger than ourselves, our greatest motivation for for playing our part in the body, for serving in whatever way that it might be, is not about the different things that it makes us feel good in today. They're great side blessings. It's that on that day, Jesus would look us in the eyes and he would smile and he would say, well done, my good and faithful servants. Nothing is going to compare to that moment. Not on this earth. And on this earth is the only opportunity that we have to invest in that moment. As we give ourselves for a purpose bigger than ourselves. What I want to do as we finish is just to make space to to invite the Holy Spirit to come and move amongst us. Because this is is practical, but you know what? More than anything, this is about heart. And so I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to meet with us and to speak into our hearts in all different ways. Because every one of us needs to hear a different thing. And I don't want you going away just hearing what I've said. I want you going away hearing what God is wanting to speak into your heart. And for some of us, it will be the joy of God speaking into your heart today. Well done, good and faithful servant. You're doing a great job. Keep going. I'm so pleased with you. For some of us, it will be that God is wanting to refresh our vision for the ways in which we're serving. That we're doing the right things, but he wants to refresh our heart and our vision for it. For some of us, it will be giving us new vision of new things and new ways that he's wanting us to to play our part in the body. For some of us, God is wanting to free you from feeling like you're not enough. To show you how he's given you gifts and abilities. He's made you the way you are on purpose. That you have a role to play that no one else can. For some of you, it will be the opposite. And it will be that God is wanting to free you from seeing others as not enough. And we're wanting to stir love and grace in your heart for one another, that place where the life comes and the beauty grows. As you recognize not everyone is meant to be like me. 
For some of you, it might be about recognizing that you've slipped into a guest mentality rather than playing your part in the family responsibilities. And for most of us, it's going to be a mix of all of that and a whole lot more that I don't know about, but God's wanting to say. What I know is that God has gifted you and he has a purpose for you. Both in what we actively do as gathered church together and what we do as scattered church in our workplaces, in our families, and on our streets. What I know is that you matter. What I know is that you have a significant part to play in this body that nobody else can do. So let's make some space for God to come and just speak to us to refresh our vision, to refresh our hearts, to say what he wants to say.